What's up, golf addicts? This is Cons from Tour Junkies. Thank you for downloading this week's podcast. Follow my dad on Tour Junkies on Twitter. Enjoy the show! By the way, my pick this week is Brooks Ketka. <laughs> All right, that's my little guy, Collins. Giving you the intro, he's a huge Tour Junkies fan. He walks around saying, what is up, golf addicts, all the time. He loves the show, and he also loves golf, and he loves Brooks Kepka. So let me tell you, that pick was totally unprompted. So, you know, listen to Collins and put some Brooks Kepka in your lineups this week. But, hey, in this week's episode, Pat and I, as always, break down this week's tournament, which is the Honda Classic. We're going to give you our preview and our picks, but before that, We have got a phenomenal interview with one of the top golfers in the world, and his name is Kevin Kisner. We really appreciate Kiz being on the show this week. He, you know, he tells you about life on tour. He he gives spilled some dirt on Scott Brown, as we know Scott Brown kind of gave a little bit of dirt on Kevin in a previous episode with the Tour Junkies. So we really appreciate Kiz stopping by and being on the show, and we wish him the best of luck in the Honda Classic. So Thanks again for the download. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tour underscore Junkies if you don't already. And hey, if you're listening to this through iTunes, do us a favor and write a review. Take just a minute to write a review for us and give us some honest feedback. That's one of the best ways that we can improve the show for you guys. And we really appreciate a lot of the listeners that have been you know, tweeting at us or sending us messages and telling us what they like and what they don't like. You know, so so keep that coming. We would we really want to make it something you guys enjoy. We cannot wait. There's a couple of announcements at the end for the listeners. So enjoy the show and thanks again for the download. May your screens be green. All right, golf addicts, welcome back to another edition of the Tour Junkies podcast. Want to welcome a guest this week who has uh, just been on fire on the tour, had seven top tens in 2015, three close calls at the RBC Heritage, the Players, and the Greenbrier, and then broke through with a dominating win at the RSM Classic in Sea Island, currently the 17th-ranked golfer in the world. And we'd love to introduce Kevin Kisner, also known affectionately as Kiz on tour. Kiz, how you doing, buddy? Oh, good. What's going on, fellas? Man, we're just, uh, you know, we're just happy to have you on here. So talk to us a little bit about 2015. You know, you had so many close playoff calls and then kind of broke through at the RSM Classic in Sea Island. Just kind of sum up the year for us and, and tell us kind of what your, your goals are going into 2016. Well, obviously, 2015 was my banner year so far on the PJ Tour. Uh, If I could have that year every year for the next 10 or 12 years, I I would take it right now and sit back because I I love being in that contention. Obviously, I'd like to win all those tournaments, but being in contention, having a shot coming down the stretch is what I thought about. And and I put myself in that position. I performed well. Coming down the stretch, I just got beat a few times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking forward going, you know, I obviously want to win again. That's that's a huge goal of mine. But um just being in that position and uh focusing on, on my process and what I need to do to uh perform well is my biggest goal. Um 
you know, I don't get too caught up in the in the goal thing because I think you get too uh, caught up in results, and I like to stick to the process and keep doing what I do. Well, that's been obviously been working for you. Hey, real quick, though, you know, this being a Ryder Cup year, uh, I know that's got to be at least somewhat of a, of a focus for you. Tell me a little bit about, you know, kind of what you're thinking going on, you know, with the Ryder Cup. Well, anytime that, uh, you know, I feel passionate about representing our country, um, obviously I'm not going to be in the military anytime soon. So to be able to represent it as far as uh, playing golf, that would be a dream come true. And I think a huge passion of mine. You know, it's, it's definitely in the back of my mind, and I I, uh, I want to be on that team. But you know, if I if I take care of my thing, if my, my process and those results will come, and, and if I play well, I'll be on that team. Yeah, definitely, absolutely, man. Kids, we're uh, we're looking forward to seeing you on that team, and and you know, talking about your success last year. You know, your coach John Tillery's been getting some uh, some love here lately with you. Uh, you know, really breaking out. And so what are some things that you guys have worked on in the off season or you're, you're working on right now as far as your game? Yeah. Um, I don't know if y'all saw the funny article Doug Ferguson, right? Where he, Kisner's goal for 2016 is to not have the Ronda Rousey effect. Ah. Uh, it was pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> headline, but JT, that was JT's quote is, uh, you know, don't get too comfortable and get knocked out. So that's right. That's right. Pretty, pretty strict, uh, practice regimen and, and uh that's kind of how i focus my things i like to be uh focused on certain tasks and uh try to accomplish those things that we, we're trying to work on to uh help me perform better and, and uh we're working towards that that sounds good i mean that sounds like a good approach uh, I, I think uh jt as you call him is has got a good thing going looking forward to seeing good things out of him so you know yeah, one of one of the things that we love to talk about with all of our guests on the show, and and obviously being local here to Augusta and you really growing up in this area, you, know, you got your first Masters appearance coming in April, and and I know you're you're pumped about that. Tell us about, you know, how much thought have you put into, you know, how you're going to prepare for that, and and leading up to the tournament, are you going to be playing some rounds, and what does it mean to you to be playing in that in that golf tournament, being from this area? Obviously, it's a big deal, but just being so yeah, close to home. Huge deal for me. You know, I'm the second guy, I believe, or the first guy since Bobby Knowles from Aiken, South Carolina, to play in it, which uh, which is pretty big accomplishment and a big time time gap in between those two guys. Uh, I actually spent the last two days over there with Jeff Knox, who is uh, yeah. our local phenomenon member, who oh, yeah. uh, told us, you know, tried to give me a little help around the greens, and we spent a lot of time around each green, played nine holes each day working on it, and kind of have a little blueprint of what we want to do around the greens and where to miss it on certain certain shots, which is crucial around that golf course. Um, obviously, to be able to play close to home, sleep in my own bed, play in front of friends and family always gets me excited, you know. As much as we travel, being able to do it and, and then be able to do it in my backyard at a major is a dream come true. So, did you um, did you have a caddy? Obviously, I'm, I'm sure Dwayne Bach was with you. Did you have another caddy from Augusta walk around with you? Yeah, we had another local guy, Jay Thacker, that I know pretty well. That's, that's caddied over there a bunch, and then uh, Jeff's caddy that caddies for him during the tournament if he plays as a marker. He worked with us as well, and Dwayne was there as well. I caddied there for a couple years in college. Uh, I never, I, I never caddied for Jeff as he's got his guy. But I remember, I remember Jay Thacker. That's a that's a fun crowd over there, man. That's a good time. Yeah, we had a ball and. and uh, we didn't really do much until we got around the greens. Obviously, we were waiting on, on the 
course, to get in tournament condition, but uh, spent a lot of time looking at different hole locations. And I learned a lot. I can't thank Jeff enough. It was a lot of fun. Well, that's cool, man. Um, so you mentioned we actually talked about Dwayne Bach. Tell us a little bit about him. You know, he's even his calves have their own Twitter account. Uh, you know, what's your what is your relationship like with him? And and you know, how does he? You know, kind of what what is the main thing he does to sort of get you prepared for attorney? Well, we've been this is our seventh year together, so we've been uh, I've been single, married, now father, all with him and watched his kids grow up. We're kind of like brothers more than working partners. And, uh, That's awesome. Just just enjoy being around him. You know, he's he's never been late. He's always on time. He always shows up ready to work, and I've never heard him complain in seven years. It's a pretty, pretty uh, commendable comment uh, for a caddy, and, and I want to pay him as much money as I can. That means we're playing well, and, and uh, look forward to doing that for 2016, but He's always the most prepared, and, and he always has everything uh, under control for me, and he knows what I like and has it ready for me at all times. Does he, um, you know, do you guys look at, like, you know, analytics and stats, you know, sort of how, how the course is going to play that week? Do you pay attention to that at all as far as, you know, your stats and um, things like that, or is it, you know, just from a week-to-week basis? Most of the stat stuff uh, will live up to JT. He, he uh sees weaknesses and uh, what we found in, in studies is the best players improve, that improve their weaknesses the most uh, make the biggest strides in the world ranking in the FedEx Cup based on the prior five to seven years. So what we do at the end of every year is sit down and look at the goals or, or what they're struggling with and, and accordance to the tour and, and work on those and try to improve them every year. Um, Dewey's more on strategy than stats and he tries to, uh, I'm super aggressive, so he always is trying to get me to chill out a little bit. <laughs> you know, one of the things we've actually talked to with, uh, we, I think I told you before, we had Brooks Kepka on the, on the podcast and have talked to some others, but they've, you know, mentioned that, you know, when they kind of start to run against like three, four, five tournaments in a row, that, that they kind of want to shut it down and, you know, take a little bit of a break. Do you find that you have kind of a limit when it comes to that, or do you get, get stronger as the weeks go on? No, I definitely think it gets tougher as you go on. Just the uh, what I found is if you can actually make it home for at least a night or two, is really if you're going to do four or five in a row, if you can make it home for a night or two, it's just refreshing to kind of recharge and, and sleep in your own bed and chill out and at your hometown and, and do what you want to do for a couple of days. It really helps kind of rejuvenate you for the home stretch. If you got to stay on hotel to hotel for five weeks in a row, airplanes and traveling with all your gear it, get, it it wears you out quickly so uh if i'm going for that long i try to kind of fly home for a day or two and hang out that's good. I mean, we've um, we've definitely had a debate here lately with uh, some other fellow podcasters that are looking at this and uh, you know, kind of wondering if there's if there's that magic number that you know each player may have where they start to see that that fatigue take its toll. And it sounds like the consensus is that it's not the golf that wears you out. It's it's all the other stuff. It's the travel and the you know just I guess the grind between the rounds yeah. and the preparation that you, you know. Uh... If you go from, you play all four days, two or three weeks in a row, and then you show up the next week on Monday and, and do something for media or go play nine holes, and then you play nine more on Tuesday, and Wednesday is the am and that takes six hours, and then you're up at five o'clock to tee off Thursday morning. You know, you're worn out by the time the weekend comes. So, yeah. Uh, 
definitely definitely uh, the travel gets to you. Airplanes are no fun, and, and uh, as you all know, it's, it's if you're doing it every every week, it gets old really quick. Well, you know, I know right now you're getting a little break and, and you're at home and you're resting up. You know, coming off the the missed cut in in your last event, you're heading to the Honda oh, Classic. Remind me about that. Oh <laughs> man, I, you know, we got to keep it real. We got to keep it real, kids. You know, I, uh, I hear, I hear you. I'll keep it real with you then too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're heading to the Honda Classic next week. Uh, you know, how you feeling and and what's the schedule look like after that? Uh, I've been good. You know, I kind of took last week off. Basically, I was home. I've been home for two weeks, so last week was pretty much just chilling out with the family. Uh, we were gone for seven weeks in Scottsdale, so lots to catch up on at the house as far as what you do every day that I don't get to do around my house, so I need to do that. Um, this week's back to the grind a little bit, and, and really tomorrow through Monday we'll be grinding it out to get ready. And, uh, you know, working on my low shots for the Honda is always windy down there, and Preparing for that, and Doral will be windy as well. So that's two weeks in a row. After that, I'm going to take a week off, and then I'll play Bay Hill and um, go from there to Austin for the match play, and then I'll take a week off before Augusta. Good deal, man. Um, we, we can't wait to see you get back at it. So real quick, talk to us a little bit about maybe some up-and-coming players on tour that maybe nobody's really talking about that you've seen and play with, you know, just on a day-in and day-out basis. You know, who are maybe a couple guys that kind of come to mind who th- you think might could have some big years? Um, one guy that I noticed played well last week that just had a baby, which helped me big was Ricardo Castro. I don't know if he's young enough. He's almost my age, but. Um, he played well last week. He just had a, his first child, which helped me out tremendously in my career. And so I'd watch out for him. He works with JT as well. So well, I know he's working on the correct stuff, which is helpful. And, and uh, having that baby kind of changes things in your in your life, puts golf in this perspective and, and makes it more fun. It's the nappy factor. Have you heard about the nappy factor? I haven't heard that. Yeah, we talked with Scott about the nappy factor. Um, and uh, basically there are some... There's some documented cases on tour where after a tour player has a baby, that first event, they 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 do pretty well. I think I think it's happened yeah. with with Kevin Chapel before. Um, I think Hunter Mahan as well. And then so we had the conversation with Scott, and he went out at Torrey Pines, a golf course that he told us he didn't like, and right. and and came out and shot six under on the South Course day one. And we're thinking. Dude, he's about to win this golf tournament, and then he gets screwed with the weather and, and all that kind of stuff. But the nappy factor is a real thing, man. Absolutely it is. So, you know, I don't know. I'm sure you're an avid listener to the Tour Junkies podcast. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, yeah, you, you probably know uh, that we talk a good bit about fantasy golf. We talk a lot about DraftKings golf on the podcast. You know, we, we've we've talked with, with Brooks before, and we've talked with, uh, with Scott about this, and I, we kind of want to get your take on the impact if you've seen any of fantasy golf on tour um you know do you do you do you feel it do you hear about it on tour Uh, and and what do you think about um the kind of the rise of DraftKings golf specifically as far as you know does it help or hurt the pga tour well first of all anything that gives the pga tour and its players more recognition is a positive for us because that's only going to bring more attention to us and more sponsors and, and more money in the end that people want to put forward to uh, for us to play for and, and to watch and, and be entertained and have a uh, have a stake in it, as you will, in having a fantasy player. Um, 
what I've noticed on tour is uh, used to be I got you against whoever you're playing against. It's what a crowd member would yell when you're walking down the fairway, and now it's I got you on my DraftKings, kids, and I need you to get after it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've heard that. Um, uh, I think John Peterson's referenced that too, uh, and Scott said he he gets yelled at from time to time. So, uh, you know, you're. Oh, do Do you have any idea? Like, do Do you hear anybody talk about like, yeah, my my price is higher than you this week on DraftKings, or my odds are better than you this week? Does anybody talk any any shit like that with you? Not amongst the players, but. Uh, more of my friends texted me and said, "Damn, man, you're the second highest player in the field. Can't afford you." <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna need you to drive that price down just a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they texted me at the RSM actually and said you're the highest rated player in the field, and I said, "Well, there might be a reason." Yeah, that's right, man. I think there is. That's for sure. That's good. I like the confidence, man. Hey, um, so we've talked about this before, but we had Scott Brown on, and, and uh, you know, we asked him for a little dirt on you, and and, and actually, I don't, I don't necessarily oh, think that I don't know if this is actually dirt. I, I think it's probably a good thing. But he told us you were a great shag dancer. He said music is in your blood. So now you, it's kind of your turn. So what, what's a little something about Scott that you know we don't know since he's already kind of taken his turn on you? That's pretty comical. He said music was in my blood. You ought to hear that boy sing. Oh, yeah? He needs to go out for American Idol. Really? Wow. He's got some... I, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. We were on a golf trip in Beaver, South Carolina one time, and uh, there was a band, just one guy playing guitar and singing in, in a packed bar. And I said, Brownie, if I talk him into uh, letting you sing a song, will you do it? He said, yeah, absolutely, I'll do it. I said, all right, what do you want to sing? He said, Wagon Wheel. All right, you got it. So I go up there and talk shit to this guy for 20, 30 minutes, begging him to let me, let a friend sing a song. Finally, after about an hour, he says, all right, I got a guy that wants to sing a song for you people. And, and Brownie hops up there and the guy starts playing. He sings the first verse and forgets the words. Dead cold <laughs> right in the middle of the bar in front of everybody. <laughs> the, the guy playing the guitar looked at me like, who is this clown? <laughs> That's nice, but he can sing. He just, you know, he's he stage fright a little bit. Yeah, we might have to put a teleprompter up there. <laughs> so that, that's pretty. That's pretty good. I mean, I think that's a little. At least you had a story with it. I think that's a little yeah. more embarrassing. He didn't have any dancing stories. He just said, you know, you, you just got shag. You just got music in your blood, and you can shag with the best of them. Well, that's the only way I could ever get in girls. Yeah, that's right, man. It it, it works. I know. All right, so um, if you uh, so apparently, if Scott was not a PGA player, he he'd be a, like you know, I guess a country singer. But if you were not a PGA golfer, what do you think you'd be doing? Man, who knows? I tried my dad's construction business for about two months before I turned pro, and realized real quick that I like to hit golf balls a lot better than doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, Manuel labor is no fun. Yeah, no, I. Uh... I don't know. I'd figure out a way to try to support my family whichever way I could. You know, I, I could not sit in the cubicle, so I'd have to do something outside. Probably some land development or real estate of some sort. Well, you know, we know. Uh, you know, we had John Peterson on the show, and, and I know you're you're a bit. Yeah, yeah. He he said on the show. He said, you know, if they. If I could earn eighty thousand a year and just hunt all the time, he said I would do that. So. <laughs> Thanks for that. Until he didn't have to do it. <laughs> hey, so listen. Uh, if you were, listen, listen. If you were the PGA commissioner, 
What are kind of what are two or three things that you might change immediately on tour? First would be pro ams. Get do away I, with them. I had a feeling you might say no, that. I actually. wouldn't. I wouldn't do away with them, but I'd change the format. You know, instead of making one guy sit out there for six hours with the same guy where it gets dull towards the end and I run out of things to talk to, they get tired of making doubles on every hole and <laughs> kind of puts everybody in a sour mood. I'd make it nine holes with one pro and then you switch up the turn and get a new pro up the turn. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool. You play with Tiger for nine, the highest bidder plays with Tiger for nine, and Phil catches him on the back or Jim Furyk or Ricky Fowler or whoever it is. Yeah. That's good. What else? Yeah, um, I would definitely do something with the caddies. I know the caddies lost the lawsuit, but they get treated pretty poorly. And there's an integral to the operation as anybody. They force us to have one, but then they don't treat them fairly enough, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I think those, I don't know, those caddies, man, I, I mean, they they got a hard job, and I know they work hard. We actually had a caddy on recently uh, who, who works for a fairly well-known player on tour, and um he he just gave us a lot of good insight on all the stuff that goes into what they do on a week to week basis. So I definitely hear you there. Right. Um, the last thing I'd probably do is make a uh, make an advisory council or a board or something to govern the rules officials. We're the only sport in the world that has a rule official or a referee or anyone else that nobody has to answer to. For NBA ref calls three technical fouls in the NBA Finals against LeBron and gets him ejected. He gets stuck, and if it's uncalled for, that ref gets fined or, or doesn't get to work in the next game, you know. If our guy sets a pin on the side of the hill or puts you on the clock for a bad reason or gives you a bad rule and there's nobody to answer to. Wow. Yeah, that actually had, that wasn't anything I've ever thought about, but I, I totally understand that. Um so who are maybe uh, some misunderstood players on tour? You know, wh- who's maybe the most misunderstood player on tour as far as kind of the fan sort of media perspective? Um, misunderstood. I don't know, your boy John Peterson you're talking about, he's pretty fucked with me, but uh, he probably <laughs> gets a bad rap for, you know, just being a normal fella, kind of a redneck from Texas that just kind of gets it done, but he gets a bad rap for having a poor attitude, but he just wants to play well, so... Yeah, yeah, he seems like a good dude. Funny guy too. Oh, he's as good as they get. I hang out with him every time I see him. Is he? Uh, so he's kind of one of your, you know, buds on tour. Are there any other guys that you kind of tend to to hang out with the most? Yeah, it's funny, man. I, I, I mean, we kind of hang out with, you know, we hang out with people from the south, but you know, we're so diverse amongst amongst the PGA Tour people from all over the world and all over the country. We, uh, it's funny. My wife and I know we have kids. We hang out with people that have kids that are that is our kids' age because we're on the same schedule and doing the same stuff and we're not going out having beers till 10 o'clock anymore. So yeah. anyone on tour that has a kid around one to two years old, we're having out with because we go to dinner at 5.30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, Scott said he actually likes hanging out with a lot of the, the caddies also. He said they're, they're more fun anyway. Yeah, they're, they're, they're always if you want to have a good time, you hang out with a caddy, you'll have a good time. So do you have, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I mean, do you have a good caddy story? Like, it doesn't have to be something Dwayne did, but is there, because, I mean, when I was at the National, man, there were some, there were some wild stuff that went down that, that you would think would never happen on the sacred ground of the Augusta National, but caddies are funny people, and, um, you know, there was, I got some good stories out of that. I wish I could share them on our podcast, but most of them are pretty inappropriate. You got anything? I don't know that any of my stories are appropriate as well. <laughs> uh, 
when I go out to hang with the caddies, it, it normally turns inappropriate pretty quickly. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, I will tell you one thing, that reputation of caddies that, that just hang out and show up drunk and, and don't work hard, that, that's kind of gone out the window. They, they make way too much money to uh, not show up and be prepared, ready to work. So I think that whole uh, idea that, that caddies are just there to carry a bag is way over in the DJ tour. Yeah. Uh, you definitely, it feels like lately caddies are more, like, I feel like there's more name recognition among some good caddies now than there's ever been. You know, I don't know if that's some of that social media and a guy like Dwayne Bach having having an account for his calves or, or you know, everybody. Well, I don't know how, much, uh, how much viewership they're getting on TV. I mean, caddies are right there with their players. Yeah. You know Stevie Williams uh, as well as any, you probably know Stevie Williams better than the guy that finished 100 from the FedEx last year. Exactly, That's yeah. from as much viewership on the TV and seeing their faces, and obviously Dwayne's people have seen his face a lot more of late, and, and he's starting to get recognized more. All right, man. We appreciate it. Listen, we got we got a we got like two more quick would you rather questions for you. So. Yeah, I mean there could be a penalty. Um, so, if you had to wear Ricky Fowler's joggers and high tops, or frost your tips like Ian Poulter for the rest of your life, what would you do? Joggers, no question. Joggers and high tops. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm not wearing that kid on my hair. <laughs> <laughs> what about? Uh, okay, last one. So let, let's flash back and say that every tournament you just had to wear a different color short sleeve mock neck turtleneck like Tiger used to wear back in the day. Or you ha- you had to always rock Patrick Reed's choker necklace. Which one would it be? Man, I I, I just like the fur on that one. <laughs> no, no, you got to pick one. You got to pick one. I'd do the mock neck. I could probably find something that looked all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. Listen, kids, we really appreciate uh, your time again, and uh, you know, best of luck to you, continued success, and we're looking forward to. To more great things, and and you know, tell Dwayne, um, you know, we just need to we just need to see more calf muscle on 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 TV. He, he I'll just sends you a calf workout. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. The best of luck with him. Thank you, man. What is up, golf addicts? It's the tour junkies coming back at you after a phenomenal interview with Kevin Kisner. Really enjoyed having Kiz on the show. Uh, the dude is just, you know, playing golf so well right now. It's such a high level. Had such a great year. You know, just a fun guy to talk to, man. Uh, really enjoyed that. I know, Pat, uh, I know you enjoyed talking to your old bud, Kisner. Man, he is, uh, i tell you what, it was just awesome that he agreed to do that. Um, love talking to him. Just a good, good old boy down to earth. Um you know, sticks to his roots, staying in Aiken. You know, he he's made it big time. He could have gone anywhere and gone to Florida, wherever else those guys live. But he's he's staying in Aiken and uh, just enjoying life right now. And and I like how he talks about just sticking to the process. You know, he's not really getting ahead of himself or anything, or or, or thinking too much down the road. You know, he's really just just doing the same things he's always done. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... I love the fact, you know, he's a bulldog, so first and foremost, you know, he's a he's a dog fan through and through, and obviously represented UGA well, and um, yeah, I love the fact he's a local guy, and he just likes to kick back and have a few drinks, and 
you know, do his thing when he's when he's relaxing. He's enjoying his time with his family and, um, you know, living it up in Aiken. It's a it's a good time. And, and obviously, you know, his coach, uh, Josh Gregory, right? No, John uh, Tillery. No, John Tillery. Sorry, Josh Gregory's Patrick Reed. That's right. right. So John Tillery is uh, is is doing some good things, man, and um, it's excited to see exciting to see Kiz doing his thing. We loved having him on the show. I also loved his story about Scott Brown. You know, we had Scott on the show spilling some gossip on on Kisner's dance moves, and now we got Kisner telling uh, you know telling everybody that man Scott can actually sing a little bit, although he can't remember any lyrics, but you know the boy can sing. Yeah, that that was actually pretty funny. I, I like hearing. I, I love those type stories, and I'm sure there's there's plenty more out there. So we'll have to get get old kids on the on the show again and uh, get them to tell us a few more. Yeah. So um, you know, this week he is preparing for the Honda Classic, uh, which we're excited to talk about. It's a great event. We're finally back over here on the on the right coast, the East Coast, and. Um, you know, us uh, us East Coast folks are going to be able to wake up to some golf now, which is nice. You don't have to wait till you know, 11 a.m. Or, or noon at times to, to get your golf in. But before we do that, <coughs> whoa, sorry. <clears throat> you, you okay over there? Wow. Yeah, um, choked on a wild turkey there, sorry. <clears throat> before we do that, you know, to recap the Northern Trust, we were back on the winner this week. You did a great job in nailing Bubba last week. You were kind of on him, and I said that I didn't really have anything to back it up. I just had a feeling, which obviously I need to quit. I need to quit listening to my feelings. Like you know, normally I'm the stat guy and you're the feel guy, but last week you were on Bubba, and I was like, man, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. And boy, was I wrong. But you know, you had a great week though. It, it, overall, you had had a really good week. How about that? I mean, the Chess Reevy pick was just just right on the money. Great pick. Um, so it was well, a good thank week you, for thank us. You. Yeah, I mean, and actually, you know, so we record the podcast on Monday night. I was not feeling Bubba on Monday night, but by the time Wednesday came around, and I was starting to finalize some lineups. Bubba was looking more and more attractive to me, so I did put him in. Um, a few lineups actually, and it ended up paying out nicely for me, and and also had a, a little Chez Revy exposure and some big GPPs, and I had him on a lineup with Adam Scott that helped me out. If if one of those guys would have won, that would have really helped me out in a big GPP. But um, I did have a feeling there towards that back nine stretch on Sunday that Bubba was just gonna gonna go ahead and do his thing. I knew Kokrak was gonna choke it up. Um, but I, I kind of I was really holding out hope in in Chez and, and Adam Scott, but man, Adam just gave it away with the putter. I mean, Tita Green, the guy is still one of the best on tour. But you know, and, and he got pretty hot with the putter on Saturday, and I think maybe the early part of Sunday. I think his first four or five holes, he'd made something like eighty something feet in putts, but then he just lost it. He's missing these short ones on you know. I know the Poana gives people fits, but um, but Adam Scott was really struggling. So, all in all, it was a good week for me. I definitely had some green screens, and the Chez Revy pick worked out nicely. He was checking my boxes, man. I don't know if you remember, but he checked three out of four boxes for me last week. So, I had the right boxes with old Chez, and it worked out. It was a great pick, and he had a solid week. Uh, I, I had a feeling he might not be there at the end on Sunday, but, you know, regardless, he, he did have a great week. And it was a good tournament. Um you know, I think the scores were a little bit um, lower to me than I thought they would be. Um, but it, And you could tell those greens were giving those guys fits, especially on some of those short ones. But, but 
Um, again, a great week. I love that course. Just an old classic course. Just fun to watch. I mean, Sunday was just uh, – I, I was – I was. it was like, you know, Christmas Eve on Saturday night getting getting ready to watch that, that tournament on, on Sunday. And I know there were a lot of folks out there that were sweating some good lineups. So, uh we were we were happy to see uh, some other folks in the industry have have really good days and uh, anyway it was just just a good week. Yeah, shout out to David Frey. I know he had a great great uh, great weekend. So yeah, the leaderboard was stacked going into Sunday and it was fun to watch. But we're moving on now because uh, you know now like I said we're in Florida. We are in uh, in in was it at Palm Beach Gardens or whatever it is in Florida That's right. and we are at what's that. I said that's right. Yeah, Palm Beach. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're at PGA National. We're on Bermuda grass. Screw that Poana stuff. And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the golf course and the weather anticipated because this course is known for some crazy weather. So, yeah, well, what do we I got think, going on? I think we're going to get a little bit of that uh, again this year. But, yeah, so we're Honda Classic this week, PGA National Resort. This is the champion course uh, in Palm Beach Gardens. It's actually, um, I think, originally uh, designed by. I want to say Fazio, but I could be wrong there. But Jack Nicholas redesigned it in, the, in 1990 and 2002. So there's some uh, distinct qualities to a, a typical Jack Nicholas course uh, here. And then you have, you know, like, like you said, Bermuda greens. Uh, love getting back on those greens. Par 70, about 7,100 yards. So not terribly long, but I think it's still going to play very difficult this week. And a lot of that is because of the weather. Um, it's going to be pretty clear. Um, I don't. I don't see right now. Obviously, you're going to need to check. Uh, you know, Wednesday, uh, what the weather's going to look like. But I think we're definitely going to have some high winds, and that's going to play an important factor on on some of the players that you choose this week. And it may just. It might just favor a few of the international players this week. Um, you had a guy like Padre out of nowhere winning last year. Um, I'm not saying I'm focused entirely on those guys, but I think it could help. Um, so anyway, I'm expecting it. You know, it's going to be another good week, and uh, just need to check that weather and those winds on Wednesday. Yeah, I would say definitely pay close attention to that as we get closer to teeing off, and uh, you know, potentially looking at the at the waves. You know, if you need to go AM, PM, or PM AM, check that out, especially in Yahoo scoring as well, as we do tend to dabble a little bit in Yahoo. So yeah. heads up on that. You know, by the way, one recap we didn't do is the one and done last week, which I had JB Holmes, who I think finished T eleven. Yeah, you, you had got your boy, that one. And we probably you had your on. boy Sergio who finished yeah. trunk slamming number one. And um yeah, so I'm I'm up on you pretty good. I need to I need to add up my winnings there, but I'm up on you. So if you want to there talk Sergio this week, um, I'll let you do the honors there. But I'm not going to even talk. You know, uh, his name is a cuss word to me this week. It was it was pretty much a dumpster fire for old Serge. All right, so you know, looking at the course, I actually I actually went a little more stat heavy this week than normal. Normally, I pull out about three or four stats, sometimes five. This week, I, I I'm I'm focusing on six stats, so I'm a little more stat heavy. But I've got six stat categories. You know, you got your staples, strokes gained tee to green, scrambling. And then I've got greens in regulation, strokes gained putting, total driving, and then par 4, 450 to 500, which has been a popular one this year. But that's a key, uh, a key stat category as well as, as this course. The four toughest golf you know, holes on this golf course are number 6, number 14, 10, and 11. 
and that's based on last year, and, and which last year was a little crazy, but last year, and then even in 14, they were kind of like that as well. You've obviously got the bear trap, which is 15, 16, and 17. So tough tough holes there for sure, and that's a tough stretch. But these long par fours tend to eat it up, man. So um, I'm looking at that stat category as well. And then, of course, looking at guys with great course history as well as, uh, you know, kind of Bermuda, Bermuda green specialists. So, like I said, we're off of that Poana stuff, and we're back on the Bermuda putting surfaces this week. So another key thing to remember. And obviously since the Kisner interview was as robust as it was and we appreciate him doing all that for us, we're going to try to speed through these picks a little a little more so than we normally do. So, you know, if we don't mention a guy, that doesn't mean we're fading him. It just means we're, I've really just pulled out the ones I like the most. So we'll try to get through this and um, and give you the best bang for your buck. How's that sound, Perry? I'm I'm good with that. Now, did you mention greens and regulation? Because I like that stat this week. I did. Okay, I did. It got it got yeah. lost in the six. That you I had mentioned. so many there, I, I couldn't I couldn't keep up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, ready? All right. So in in your in your top tier, your ten thousand and above, from Rory to Brandon Grace making his U.S. debut in 2016. He's a pretty hot pick. Who you liking in that category, and um, is there anybody in particular that you're going to fade? Well, there's two. You, Rory obviously, obviously jumps out at me. I mean, he's he's won here before. Um, you know, I think he. You know, besides kind of his crappy Sunday last week, you know, he's he's to me the top player in the in in the world right now. So it's 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 hard to fade him. Um, so I do like him this week. Um, I do think, like I did last week, and actually one of my best lineups last week until he, he kind of faltered a little bit on Sunday was, was one where I threw him in, um, even though it was hard to fit lower-priced players. But I, I, I got those, you know, some good guys in there. But I do like Rory. Um, my top guy this week, there's two that I like. I love Fowler and I love Patrick Reed. Um, Fowler, to me, is just um, – I think he's just going to have an incredible year. I think this is a course that he can play well. He's had some pretty decent finishes here in, in the past. Um, so I love him at 11-7, and Reed I really like at 10-6. Um, he was top 10 last year. He's top 20 in strokes gain, T to green. Um, so Patrick Reed I think is kind of a sneaky play this week because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of top heavy players over 10,000. And um, anyway, he he's one of my favorites. Anybody you're fading in that group, like a complete 100% fade. Oh man. Um... I'd probably say in that group it's going to be there's I'd probably say Matsuyama even though that's that's going to be uh, I just I don't know he's he's I think he's going to be a little bit tired this week so I think Matsuyama is going to be the guy that I'm fading you know in that over 10 range um and and maybe Brandon Grace I think a lot too many people are going to be on Grace this week Interesting. All right, so we did not collaborate before this podcast, but we've got some similar thoughts as we start out the show here. So my top two guys are Fowler and Reed as well. Fowler is the only player out of the players that I targeted before doing a ton of research just based on you know form and a little bit of course history and price. Um, Fowler is the only player on my radar that checked all six boxes. In fact, no player checked five. So Fowler is heading, you know, heads and shoulders above 
the competition when it comes to the stat categories I'm pulling out. So Fowler's my number one, and Reed actually checks four of those boxes. Um, and so I like, I'm liking Reed as well, especially kind of as he's lost a little bit in that price range. And my fades for this range are going to be Rory. Um, you know, just because, I mean, he definitely struggled on Sunday. I, I think Rory's just, not to say he can't win the thing. Obviously, he can win it. But I just think as the top price player in the field at 12-5, with, you know, I think 24 of the top 30 in FedEx Cup rankings are in this field. I mean, you got a stacked field. So with the field being as strong as it is, I think it just makes sense. And we've seen it played out in the last few weeks if you paid attention on DraftKings, that fading those top, you know, the top player too. I mean, look at Spieth last last week. Obviously, no one really thought Spieth was going to go out and do what he did, but there, there's just too much uh, to be determined. I think still with Rory coming over here and getting getting his 2016 season going. I mean, once he's once he's got it going, it's it's on. But I think I'm going to fade Rory for that reason. I'm also going to fade Matsuyama. He's only played in this event once, and he withdrew. Um, you know, he, he had the flu scare last week, and he ended up playing pretty well last week, actually. So it might not be, you know, it might not be the smartest fade in the world, but in that group, I think I would fade him. And I also feel similarly about Brendan Grace. I like Brendan Grace from the fact that he's a European player. He can play in those windy conditions. Europeans tend to do well at this event. Brendan Grace is a great, a great golfer. I mean, one of the best golfers in the world. And, and playing really bottom, well right now also. Yeah, and he is. And so at the bottom of that price range, that's a really attractive buy. Um, I, I definitely think if you're playing multiple lineups, like you know, 10 or more lineups, you, you got to have Brennan Grace in there. And I think I might be more inclined to fade him in a GPP if I'm not playing a whole lot of lineups. I would fade him there. But in a cash lineup, I actually – I mean, I don't mind putting him in a few cash lineups because I don't really care about the ownership at that point. But there are a lot of pros already kind of – talking Brendan Grace up on Twitter and all that kind of thing. So, you know, if, if that starts happening, uh, you know, he, he could have pretty high ownership levels. I would think, you know, 20, 20% or higher. So I think I'm with you there. The, the so I'm going to start is- a lot of lineups, um, you know, with with the Fowler-Reed combo, I guess, um, or maybe not a combo, but one or the other. So Yeah. You know, one thing I will say about Rory, though, is is um, if you're not going to fade him and you put him in, you know, you immediately kind of have an, a 7,500 average remaining salary. And I actually like a lot of those guys in that 7,000 range. So if you do want to uh, put Rory in some lineups, um, you know, maybe a True. GPP with a lot of those 7,000 guys, I think you can put together a pretty solid lineup. So um, that that's the one thing I do kind of like about him this week is that you can take, um, you know, you know, the best golfer in the world, or you know, at least, you know, arguably, I guess, but I think he's the best golfer in the world. You know, and 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 still get him in a lineup with some good players around him. All right, so moving down in the nine thousand dollar category, you've got five golfers. There is one in that category that I love, and the rest of them I'm not touching. So, who do you think that is? Oh man, who do I think you're not touching? Who do you think I love? I know you love Brooks Kepka. Well, he's not in the nine thousand dollars. Is he in the nine thousand dollars? No, 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 he's ten five. Sorry, we. I kind of skipped over. Sorry, him. I can't sorry. believe you skipped over him. He just jumped out at me immediately, and I can't even believe you skipped over him. You didn't yeah, want to and talk to Brooks that. Kepka. Yeah, actually, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Brooks, Brooks, I'm definitely on. Although, I, I was really excited about about his price when I first when I first saw DraftKings prices come out. 
And then when I when I put him on my radar and I started doing my research, man, you know, if, if you look at 2016, he's he's not checking any boxes right now. None. Now, he's not played a lot either. And and if you look back at 15, he checks a lot of them. So, uh, and this is a hometown, you know, kind of a home event for him. He talked about that when he was on our show, you know, that that was kind of one of those events he wants to play well in. So I'm going to have exposure to Brooks, and I actually, you know, I said I would start a lot of cash lineups with Ricky or Patrick Reed, but I'll probably start more lineups with a brooks Kepka uh, kevin Kisner combo. So Kisner is the one guy I love out of that $9,000 range, and he checks four of my boxes, so you know, our boy on the show, he's checking the box in Tita Green, uh, putting, uh, strokes game putting, greens and regulation, and total driving. And, I, and and you know what? He didn't check the box in scrambling, which I know is not like him because the dude can scramble with the best of them. So I, I just I love Kisner at that level. And I am going to have some exposure to Brooks, although a little more limited than it was before I started doing my research. And, you know, also it's my son's pick. So, you know, you guys heard Collins in the intro, his – his pick this week was Brooks, and that was totally, that was totally off the cuff. I just basically said, "Who do you think is going to win the tournament this week?" And he said Brooks Kepka. So he's he's a big Kepka fan. He's got an autographed Brooks Kepka hat. Um, <laughs> so he's he's down with Brooks. So I gotta I gotta have some exposure. Well, I agree. I, I like I like Kepka a lot this week. Obviously, a Florida guy, so I, I think he's he's going to be hard to avoid in a lot of your lineups. Um, you know, when I was looking at this 9,000 range, well, I'll just say this. Before prices came out, one of the guys that really jumped out at me that I loved because, and, and you know, I like to look at course history and, and maybe a little bit of recency bias as far as how they've played on that course. And Russell Knox really jumps out at you because he's at, he was T2 and T3 the last two years, and he's actually number one in greens and regulation right now. So that immediately tells you, you know, the guy's got to be in some of your lineups. But then when I saw the price come out at 9700 I just don't like that price at all, the way he's been playing lately. And I, I just – I know he had a good fall. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, kind of avoiding that. But, you know, miscut at the Sony Open, miscut at Pebble Beach. Um, I don't like that price at all for him. So, as much as I hate to do it because I'm kind of going against, uh, you know, a little bit of my philosophy, I, I think I may fade uh, Knox at that price. And probably I'm going to go Kisner, um, you know, instead of him. Uh, I'm not dropping down below him. I'm still not on Casey. Definitely not on he whose name I shall not, shall not mention. Captain uh, Trunk Slammer. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. So what are your thoughts on Knox? You know, I mean, great course history right now, but just I don't he know. He does have good course history. Knox is too volatile for me at, night, at, at that price, I agree. You know, the other thing is you mentioned – a miscut at Pebble, miscut at Sony. Well, he, he finished 27th at Hyundai out of 32. So, you know, and it was a no-cut event. So yeah. this, you know, it's, and, and then and then you're into the fall swing. So really, the dude hadn't played good since January. No, and he's going to be, I think he's going to be over-owned this week, don't you? Because people well, are going to look at his last two years and they're going to be like, good guy. I mean, the guy's finished T2 and T3 the last, I mean, what what what's... But at Why the same time, I do think that price is pretty. I think that price is pretty scary. So I don't. I, don't, I think the price may temper his ownership somewhat. Um, but e- either way, I, I will have zero exposure to Russell Knox. Zero. This this week. So that's that. So I'm done in the nine thousand dollar range. Are you? I'm done. 
All right, in the eights, uh, there's a couple guys in here. Actually, a few guys in here that I'm that I'm liking. Um, you know, one guy that I like again and and had a good you know decent week last week. He didn't finish that well, but Luke Donald, um, I'm still kind of digging. I mean, he's he's scrambling well. He's he's still leading the tour in the par four 450 to 500 range. Um, and you know, one thing we didn't talk about is. This is one of the harder golf courses on tour, not just last year. I mean, last year it was like the fifth hardest course on tour. But if you look back, I mean, it's still in the top 10 to 15 harder courses on tour year after year. So a lot of this golf course is, is you're not going to have a big, you know, you're not going to have a, a huge score up there. You're not going to have to go six under on day one to be in contention. Like it's almost, it's a lot about just staying out of trouble. And I think Luke Donald is, is one of those players that can do that. The way he's hitting the ball right now, his scrambling ability. Um, and actually, I want to give a shout-out to the guys at, at Fantasy Golf Metrics. Um, they've got some really nice free resources. And one of the things that they put out here recently was kind of your average DraftKings points. If you were to look at, at DraftKings points scored at this event. And Luke Donald ranks fourth in the field in average DraftKings points scored at the Honda Classic with five appearances. So I'm liking Luke Donald's value even at even at 8,600. So he's one of my favorites in that range. Who else do you like down there? Yeah, I, I like him again this week. I'm, I'm totally with you there. Um, I think Zach Johnson's going to be hard to avoid at 8,800. I think that's a little bit cheap for him. Um, another guy I really like, and um, – and it's mainly, you know, he had a great fall, and I like his price at 8400 is Graham McDowell. Um, oh, no. I'm telling you, man. I know. All right, so. Nope. The last couple years has not done great in this tournament, but in 2013 he had a top ten, and that was back when he was more the Graham McDowell that we know. And I think he's he's back to that. Now, I know he's really ha- – we haven't seen him much this year. Um, missed the cut at the Sony Open and, and didn't do that great at the – tournament of champions but um I, I think you may see a big week for mcdowell i think he's a sneaky play at 8400 uh i'm gonna try to fit him in some lineups he's not my favorite there but but i do i do like mcdowell this week that that's terrible in fact i can hopefully you have a strong disagreement with one of my other plays and we can make a bet this week because oh, i would love to throw mcdowell against you on a bet. he does have great course history but i don't give a rip um, another guy I like in this category is Ryan Palmer. Palmer checks the box in three of the six. And, uh, you know, he's playing pretty well right now. He's been backdooring a lot of good finishes, I think. So I'm liking Palmer. Shane Lowry's another one that I like, although he's getting a lot of a lot of chatter as well, just being a Euro and being able to play in the wind. And uh, But I will say he does check three of, the, three of the six boxes as well. The only other thing that scares me about Lowry is this is his first time at this event. And um, I don't uh, – th- this may not be 100% accurate, but I'm pretty sure there's never been a first-time winner at this event. If there has, there's not been more than one, and and that would be, you know, on this golf course at the Honda Classic. So I'm not crazy about Lowry for that reason, but I might have some exposure if I was, you know, doing a few different lineups. And then um, I do like some other guys in this range. I like Brennan Steele again. He's he's in good form right now. He checks a couple of boxes. Freddie Jacobson, I kind of like to bounce back a little. I'm pretty sure Freddie missed the cut by uh, by one shot at the Northern Trust. And and Freddie actually checks three of the six boxes as well. So um I don't I don't mind Freddie Yock either at that at that price. Um 
What do you think about any of those guys? You you disagree on any? Uh, I mean, I would definitely not be willing, willing to make a bet yet. I would definitely be willing to put Freddie Yock against you. I mean, you can have him. I'll take McDowell any day of the week. By by the way, he's only missed one cut at this event since two thousand and nine. He's played every year, and he missed it last last year. Uh, that's fine. You uh, want to take right, so all right so. So Graham McDowell, Freddie Mac, are we going? Are we going? Um, Don't forget like, hot, you you've you've kind of conveniently forgotten about the bet that we had before. No, I haven't. I no, I have. To, I know what I have to do. I have to do a song, a karaoke song. I got that. But we got to get yeah. together and do that. So we we'll make that happen. Maybe Masters Week we can make that happen. That'd be yeah. I'm I'm good with that. So so Look, what do you? I'm gonna I'm gonna own week? my bet, huh? So are you are you, you want to take that one? Yes, and I have an idea for what the loser could do. So to go with our, you know, kind of um, theme from our previous bet, which is like, you know, was Fabian Gomez really screwed me, and um, you know, Rick Neuheisel suggested that I have to sing the song in in his native accent, or you know, which obviously I'm not going to do. But I did think it would be funny if whoever loses the bet has to do the intro for next week's episode in, like, a Hispanic accent. <laughs> I don't know. I, that might, like, our listener, you know, they, they may go down if we do something like that. But we're trying to, Listen, we're trying to I increase mean, at this our point, listenership. At this point, I don't know that we have a whole lot to lose, right, Perry? I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I mean, right? I mean, are you scared? If you're scared, say you're scared. I thought you felt good about GMAC. No, I mean, I feel great about GMAC. I just want to, you know, want something. That, okay, I, I mean, I'll do it. That's fine with me. Okay. So you're down with that? So are we going to do, like, highest finish? Or are we going to do most DraftKings points? Or should we do highest finish if they tie the tiebreakers DraftKings points? Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what we're doing. All right, so that's the bet? That's the bet. Love it. God, you're an idiot. What do you what do you have against McDowell this week? I mean, is it? But it, are you just going off of? I know he hadn't played that great. You know, I don't last like his year. price either. But um, all right. well, um, I mean, yeah, okay. All right, moving along. Um, what what about Berger down there at you know at, at eighty one hundred? He came so close last year. He kind of coughed it up in the second hole of the playoff against against Padraig. Um, Hopefully he's got his clubs back. I don't know. I don't even know if he got his clubs back last week. I wasn't. I didn't get on him. Um, but yeah, are you are you feeling burger at all? Are you going to have any burger this week, or you going to you going on a burger diet? I'm not. <laughs> but a lot of times I have found that there's been a few guys out there that you kind of you love. One I, I liked him a little bit last week, and I had him in some lineups, and he kind of burned me. But. Um, so I'm not huge on him this week, but I think I am going to put him in some lineups because I do feel like this guy could eventually just go on a little bit of a tear, you know, maybe kind of like Kisner did last year. So I do I, I do think I'm going to try to put him in some lineups. I, I'm not huge on that price. I, I kind of wish he was in that 7,000 range. but um, and, and he's going to be hard. You know, like when you look at Justin Thomas right there with him, um, Justin Thomas is another guy that's very similar. You just keep waiting for him to just sort of take off because we know he has a talent. Um, you know, so I, I, again, those two guys are going to be. I, I'm going to try to 
to fit one of those two into some lineups. And 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 actually, I like right beneath them too. I like Webb Simpson at, at eight thousand. I mean, between Berger and Thomas, you, at this point, like it's scary to take them because they have been a little volatile lately, but. At the same time, you know eventually one of them is going to break through, and you just want to be on it when it happens. Correct. I, th- those are perfect examples of that. Those both of those guys is that it's almost if you're going to play a lot of lineups, I, you know, I recommend trying to fit those one of those two guys in there because I think eventually it's going to hit for you. Um, you know, but I don't know. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm going to do. Well, and I'm with you on the Webb Simpson play. I actually have him circled, and, and he's a target of mine. He checks four of the six boxes. Webb's playing pretty good right now. He's in good form. Uh, he took last week off, so hopefully he's well-rested. And I and I, I just like him at 8,000. Um, not a bad course history here either. So I'm, I'm definitely on the Webb Simpson train. So we agree there. So then we drop into the sevens, and as we get into the sevens, is there anybody, like, who's the first one that jumps out to you? First guy that really jumps out at me, there's there's a couple of them. Um, I think I'm going to be back on Grillo this week at 7,700. Uh-huh. And then another guy that just has killed me every single week. But I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna be on him again as Patrick Rogers at 7,400. God, he is. Yeah, he he's he screwed me in one lineup last week. Yeah. The two, my two favorite stats this week of your six are you know strokes gained, tee to green, and greens in regulation. And he's t- number four strokes gained, tee to green. He's number three greens in regulation. He just has not been able to putt. But I think he's gonna get it on this week. Back on, you know, some Bermuda greens. So I, I like him at 7,400. I think his price has been driven down a little bit too much for the caliber player he is. So I, I'm, I'm actually gonna. This could be just, this could just kill me again this week because he was in a lot of my lineups last week and, and he destroyed several of them. Um, but I'm gonna, yeah, stay, he, I'm gonna stay he played here them. one time and that was last year. I think he was like 44th or 45th or something. So not bad. I mean, he made the cut, but. Yeah, he he burned too me last young. week. He's I don't too know young for, for course history for me. I mean, I, I I think yeah. I mean, I wish he would have finished in the top ten last year, but I still think he can he can have a really good week. I like his price, um, so he's another guy that really jumps out at me. And and Grillo, we know, is just um, a really solid player. Um, you know, with a win last year, so I, I'm I'm big on Grillo this week. I like him at seventy seven hundred. You know, I like Charles Howell um, this week. Obviously, he's in great form, and he's made the cut six out of the last six years with a with a a, a tenth place finish in 2011. Um, so I like I like Charlie Howell. Right, you know, his, his price is down a little bit, I think, because of the strong field, and he's at 7,500. I don't mind that at all. So I'm I'm kind of digging him. And I don't mind Grillo. He actually checks the box in total driving and the par four range, four fifty to five hundred. You know, Grillo's kind of been like a, a lucky rabbit's foot for me here this year. I've been I've been on him every week he's been on, and I've been off him on the weeks he's been off. So my my Grillo spidey senses are 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 working this year, and I'm feeling it right now. I mean, I'm not saying like dude's gonna go in top fifteen, but I think at that price, I, I could see him top twenty five and or top thirty. For sure. So I don't. I don't mind Grillo. Good. I like it. What about, 
<laughs> what about Finau, though, at 7,200? I mean, we just... Nope. When is that still, guy going to come around? Still not on Finau. Still not still ready not to him. jump on him? I would much rather have Lovemark, who is scrambling right now pretty well and also tops in the par, in the par 4 distance mm-hmm. and in better form, and in better form. The only thing is... And actually, and actually, Lovemark has played this this event before. It's been a it's been a minute, but um, he played it. Well, actually, no, he played it last year and he played it the year before. So he made the cut last year and in 2014, although not great finishes. Um, and he, he actually played it four times. He's missed the cut twice and and made the cut the last two years. And he's in decent form right now. I mean, he I like Lovemark. You know, I kind of like uh, I, I'm I'm. I'm good with him, but I kind of like Weekly just above him. I don't know if I've ever mentioned Boo Weekly's name on on this podcast, but at 7200, and, and he's been, you know, he played well at the Phoenix Open. Um, great ball striker is, is. It seems like every time he hits a ball, you know, if, if he's being covered on a broadcast, they have to talk about how great of a ball striker he is. True. But, um, yeah, I think he could be good on this course, and I like that price. Um, so, Boo Weekly is another one that that I think uh, that I'm I'm going to be on this week. You know, Boo is a good ball striker. He's not he's not a great putter. That's always the thing about about Boo thing. is yeah. is the putting. But I will say, on Bermuda grass compared to bent grass, Boo is better. So, mm-hmm. Boo and Bermuda get along. So, if he's going to be if he's if he's if he's got to use the flat stick, which he does, <laughs> you'd rather have him on Bermuda. So I don't mind. I don't mind the, the Boo Weekly play. I think I'll. I think I'll. I'll either be on Love Mark right there at seventy two hundred, or I'll hop down a little bit. Really, the last guy I like in the seven thousand dollar range is Sean O'Hare, <laughs> who is checking the box in putting and is also checking the box in scrambling. So I just feel like you know that's. That's a recipe for a made cut. It might not be the best finish in the world, but I think made cut. He was 25th here last year, missed the cut in 14, and was 18th, 44th, and 24th the three years prior. So not a bad course history here. And in, you know, decent form, and I like the price. So I think Sean O'Hare will be the last guy I touch in that $7,000 range. You know, I like how, you know, and, and you mentioned this earlier, you and I don't ever go through really our picks um who we like who we dislike you know going we we talk about the tournament and everything but um o'hara was one of the guys that i wrote down as well that i liked at that seven thousand range so we can agree on that i'm a big fan of his this week um so i say play him I, i say try to get him in your lineups when you can um and it's a good price for him all right, so looking at the sub sevens, the cheapies, and we, let's let's move through this quick. Man, I guess it, again, it just shows you the strength of field. It's crazy some of the names that are in this sub sub seven range. But so it, you know, it would be tempting to go like Tringali and and Jason Bone, and then you know have some studs up there because those are some good players. And to see them down at this price is um, you know even Adam Hadwin's playing well right now. McGirt's playing well. So that that first little group um, in in the in the sub seven range, like Chris Stroud, who I'm never on, but has an incredible course history here, by the way. So check out Chris Stroud. I mean, I don't like his, I don't like him as a player, but he withdrew last year. But before that, he had a twelfth, a thirteenth, a ninth, 
63rd, 31st, and 64th. So the dude, the dude makes the cut at the Honda, and with a couple of decent finishes. Jeff Overton is another guy with with a, a, kind of an astonishingly good course history. He was seventh here last year. He was sixth in 2011, ninth in 2009. Uh, so kind of some low value there, um, you know. But but then another guy, Jason Bone, who checks some boxes for me. Bone checks the strokes gained tee to green, the greens in regulation, and that par four scoring range. Um, not the greatest course history here. In fact, he's missed the last two cuts at this event. But you know, definitely checking the stat category. So a lot of a lot of names down here. Your boy Patton Kazire is down there. Rory Sabatini, who's got a good good course history here, has won this event before. Um, a lot of scores down here. Your Harold Varner the third, Smiley Kaufman. There's a ton of names down here. I mean, it's going to be hard to avoid somebody in the sixes. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm kind of surprised to see Bone down there that cheap. His price has sort of dropped uh, incredibly. But I really like um, – it, it, this is the top range there, but I really like Brian Harmon at 6,900. He's got two top 15 finishes in this tournament. Um, I think this is a good course for him. Um, so he he's a guy that I – you know – I don't want to just say like I love him this week. I, I think Brian Harmon could be one of those guys that you see going into the weekend, maybe near the top of the leaderboard, and you're going to get him at 6,900. Um, another guy besides him that I really like is who was I just looking at that I really love Kazire again. Um, I've kind of oh I've kind of been sort Kazire. of quiet on Kazire the last few weeks, but I'm back on this week. And another guy that I'm going to this is you're, you're probably not you're probably not going to be on this pick, but I think he's been playing really well this year, and I think this is another course that could be good for him. Is Ben Crane at sixty three hundred? He's got a good course history. I know, and he's also been pretty solid he, this year. He is I mean, playing well this year. You're right. So I like Ben Crane at sixty three hundred. I, I think um, especially if you're going to fit one of those top guys in the in your lineup with Rory or Fowler. Um, Get Ben Crane in your lineups this week. I think he's going to win you some money. All right, one more guy that I'm just going to go on based on recent form and some some stat boxes and price. At 6,100, he checks the strokes game putting box and the scrambling box. He's also 9 of 9 in cuts made, and that is Colton Ost. Not a great course history by any means, Um but at sixty one hundred bucks, I definitely don't mind him. He took the week off last week, which is probably a good thing for him. He's been playing a lot, but I like I like Colt Nose down there at sixty one hundred. You know, Brendan DeJong's another guy. He's got some course history. I think Tyrone Van Aswagen continues to be undervalued on DraftKings as he made a good play last week. I mean, I don't think the guy needs to be in the in the in the high sevens or anything, but I think he's a good player and he's he's making cuts, so he's down there as well. So anyway, I think that probably rounds it out for me in the in the scrub range. You got anybody else? Or are you good? No, that's about it. Um, I, I got I got nothing else down there. Well, we definitely did not do a great job of speeding this up like we said we would, but <laughs> you know, it, it it just it is what it is. Hey, uh, you know, we want to give we want to give a few shout outs here to um, to some some listeners, some followers. Who've just engaged and and given us some good, uh, you know, some good insight into what they think about the show. Uh, there's a guy, Ron Van Elsies, I think. He is at 
who underscore do underscore guru. So, you know, at least he wins the competition for most interesting, you know, Twitter handle. Uh, so, so big thanks to, to Ron um, for, you know, for giving us some love on Twitter. And we've got, you know, we've got, we've got some new followers here that are, as the followers are, are building up, and we appreciate everybody, you know, kind of checking us out. So uh, big, you know, thanks to, uh, to at Dave Sitzler, S-I-T-Z-L-E-R. He's, he's, a, he's a good dude. Um, Mark Brennan, at Marcus Brennan, who's a NFL and golf tipster and, and an avid gambler, it looks like. So those are, those are definitely guys we like. Um, you know, so we've just, you know, we've had some good, uh, we've had some, had some good folks give us a follow and we appreciate it as always. Um, secret caddy wife, you know, I mean, who knows who she is? She could be really, <laughs> she could be really special. So that's at secret caddy wife. Uh, so appreciate the follow there. And, you know, we don't have any funny tweets of the week, but I will tell you guys, man, if you guys are not checking out No Laying Up, which I, I'm pretty sure if you guys know who Tour Junkies are, you know who No Laying Up is because they're, like, infinitely more times popular than we are. But it's at No Laying Up or NoLayingUp.com. They had a great podcast last week with Max Homa, who's a Web.com guy, who's had his tour status on, on the PGA Tour the last couple years, it was a fantastic interview. Max gave some really cool insight about life on tour, and uh, it was very funny, very entertaining. Please go check that out. It's just a, a great show. Um, and then they also did a really funny article about golf fashion. So just, I don't know, go to nolangup.com and look at the look at the articles or whatever, and you'll see a really funny article about back in the day when Tiger was rocking the short sleeve mock neck turtlenecks and you know, Jim Furyk was wearing short sleeve button downs that go all the way down, like not just the two button polo. Um, you know, and comparing it to this, you know, the the current ages, Ricky Fowler joggers and high tops and all that stuff. So, did they talk about fun. pleated pleated shorts? I didn't get a chance to read it, but did, did they talk about pleated shorts at all? I'm pretty sure they did not talk about pleated shorts. They they talked about the two that I mentioned. They talked about. Phil uh, in his tight shirts with his gynecomastia showing. <laughs> um, they talked about some other stuff. It's it, they talked about Jim Nance's tie selection back in the day. It's a really funny article. Um, I tweeted about it probably forty tweets ago, but it, it was pretty. It was pretty funny. You've got to check it out. NoLayingUp.com. So that's your that's your good reads for the week. You got anything else there, Perry? Or are we we buttoning up the Honda Classic? No, I think let's button it up. Let's have another good week. Uh, you know, I, I was yeah. uh, I was loving it last week. We got a great field again this week. So, um, you know, just looking forward to some green screens again. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, there are two things we need to do. One thing is we have had some asks for a listener's league. So here's what we're going to do. We're not, we're not going to inundate you guys with uh, demands and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and listen. We've told you from the get-go that we are we got real jobs and families and stuff like that. We can't just be doing podcast stuff 24-7. So we are going to do a listener's league, but we're only going to do it for the majors. So know, know this, that for the Masters coming up in, man, like less than 50 days, I can't wait, we will definitely do a listener's league. Be on the lookout for that. That'll be a lot of fun. Number two I think is we, we throw in the I think we throw in the TPC in there as well. TPC, yeah, we can do TPC. Okay. Sawgrass, yeah, we can do that. Um, the other thing, you know, it is the not, fifth major. That's true. The other <laughs> thing we've not done is our one and dones. 
So oh, we got we got to continue the one and done train. Who are uh, you know who are you who are you on for one and done? I think my one and done is going to be Patrick Reed this week. You're going to go ahead and use Reed. I'm going to use him right now, short and sweet. I can't believe I'm doing this. I got a feeling though. And if I'm ever going to use, no, I can't use him right now. I got to use him later. Oh, are you going to throw out Brooks Kepka? No, 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 no. I was going to use a guy who I'm going to use later on his home course, so I can't Why do that. Why don't you use Graham McDowell? Hell no. Um, <laughs> I can't even believe I'm doing this. All right, I'm going to use. I'm going to use. Ugh, this doesn't even sound good. I'm going to use Ryan Palmer. Oh God, I know it just didn't even feel good. It didn't even feel good, but I'm going to do it. I'm All right. I got a lead, you know. I, I might as well, you know. You got a, you got you got trunk slamming Sergio making zero last week. At least I got do JB you, with top, you know, 211. Are you putting together like an Excel sheet to, to you know. Sure. I can do that. All right. We got to keep up with this because we just started it last week. So. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. You guys have a great week. May your screens be green. See ya! Point out the colors of you, I see them too, and boy, I like them, I like them, I like them. We way too fly to partake in all this hate, we out here vibing, we vibing, we vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.